to another exciting episode of National Local Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network, RBN, republicbroadcasting.org. It's the impressive skyline of free speech because sometimes you, you look out of your hotel window and you see a whole bunch of skyscrapers and you see an urban landscape. Uh, all the way, stretching all the way to the horizon. And we have a horizon because of uh, the curvature of the Earth, which is spherical. News, that's that's news to some people. Uh, and, uh, but uh, anyway, this is part two of our, the Thanksgiving extravaganza that Dr. Duke and I had. We had a discussion as I was down on State Street, that great street, uh, watching the parade. I just want to say... The Lorax, who even knew? Who even knew that the Lorax was still a thing? But it is in, in Chicago, Chicago. It's my kind of town. And uh, so go to republicbroadcasting.org, click on the donate button, send the fundage to 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas. Uh, phone it into 1-800-724-2719, extension 3. All right, so as promised, this is part two of the uh, very important and intellectual discussion that Dr. Duke and I had about these Jews and their hijinks and shenanigans. Please enjoy. Supremacy there and Jewish supremacism and Jewish human rights crimes on a massive level. Murder, uh, assault, uh, atrocities, uh, occupation, repression, uh, improper imprisonment. Uh, making life miserable for millions of Palestinians and, and, and literally torturing them in their prisons, which is another terrible human rights crime. And torture is one of those things that you don't want to think about. <clears throat> you can think about how terrible torture would be when you've had a really bad dental issue and, and pain until the doctor is able to novocaine it, you know, to anesthetically um, stop the pain. And you think, my God, you'd do anything to stop that pain. Torture is one of those horrible things, and yet this has been one of the major weapons the Israeli state has done. But the question that I really wanted to, to go into deeply, and this is the one question that the Jewish critics of Israel hardly ever get into. They do talk about the bias of the press, apparently. But they never talk about how the bias of the press is because of a Jewish supremacy that exists in the press of the United States, the European Union, and the global media. The biggest media corporations in the world are controlled by very uh, obvious Jewish racists, Jewish supremacists, and who support uh, the projects of Zionism. So in, in the end, we're not just talking about what the crimes against Palestine, because I believe that the Jewish global influence in the banking system and in the American political system, that's the superpower of the world. And in turn, using America as their weapon, the golem, to, to have these terrible wars. And we've had a century and a half, really, of terrible wars where Jewish influence has been very important in a lot of these wars. So, you know, these are one of the narratives that we are not allowed to speak in the West is we can talk about Jewish racism, even Jewish supremacy in Israel and the crimes against the Palestinian people, and many people more are doing it. But if you start talking about Jewish supremacy in the Western media and Jewish supremacy over the world's great superpower that's committed so many crimes in America, and I believe the government of this country is committing massive human rights crimes against the people who created America, too, the European Americans that created this country. Uh, when you talk about that, that's out of bounds, and, uh, and we're not allowed to discuss that. Uh, what's, your, what's your reaction to that, uh, those thoughts? Well, I mean, there are all these limits on, on who's allowed to discuss what. Uh, this is, I think this is going to be some of the fallout from what's going on since October 7th, uh, is that what is what we are able to discuss 
has has been expanded. Frankly, it's been expanded. Uh, it's the the Jewish uh, gatekeepers of freedom of speech. Um, they have less ability. There's you know what Tucker Carlson or uh, Candace Owens or these people have done on their level in their part of in their part of the media. It's it's somewhat expanded. Uh, level of speech. You look at evolution of, of people. You look at the evolution of Scott Ritter. What he was, the types of things that he was willing to say two months ago, and what he's willing to say now, and I'm just using him as one example, uh, have, have, have expanded enormously. He's He has expanded enormously what he's willing to say, and I'm just using him as an example, and he's, you know, it's not as if he has exactly mainstream uh, reach, but he has he has a reasonable audience in his yeah, former United Nations weapon inspector, and you know, well, yeah, and he's he has, got a lot of influence. He's got a he's got a certain amount of influence, and he's got a certain amount of draw. He's he has uh, people he talks to. You know, we when we think of the mainstream media, we typically think of these big conglomerates that run television stations or or print newspapers. Uh, you know, that's kind of what you might even call the legacy media. But the the legacy media, first of all. It's um, it only really dominates older generations. So you know, people in their sixties or seventies, they they may be thoroughly dependent on. Uh, they're much more likely to be thoroughly dependent on the legacy mainstream media than people in their twenties or thirties, and even people in their forties are probably a lot less likely to watch um, network news show. Uh, this is why it, you, if you do watch a network news show, all you see are ads for. Um, Ask your doctor about this pharmaceutical. Ask, uh, you know, or Joe Namath trying to enroll you in some sort of Medicare plan. This is all, this is all you see on their advertisement. They are aimed at very at an older an older clientele, um, and the the younger people are not the younger people really. Uh, not that they're the media they watch is necessarily that much better because a lot of it comes from YouTube, and YouTube is just filtering things in a different way. Yeah, that's very it's very regulated. Yeah, it's very it is scary. Censored. But, the younger people are are a lot more likely to be able to um, to have access to news that is less censored, and this is reflected in polling data regarding um, sympathy with with Gaza, and uh, you see sympathy with Gaza amongst boomers, amongst people in their sixties and up, is very low, and amongst people who are say under the age of thirty is very high. That's the main. That, I mean, that, that's the main divide. It's not even a racial divide. It's not a, a party divide. It is a divide of, between generations. And I think it's a reflection, uh, uh, you know, in part it might be a reflection of certain leftist indoctrination that's been in, in public schools in the past decade or two. But I think more than, probably even more than that, I think, is a divide in the way uh, information is accessed by the different generations. Yeah, I think so. Let's go back to the narrative discussion for a second. Uh, this morning, on this, um, and, and we're taping this on Thanksgiving and we're taping, morning. And it's been a little bit chopped up. How much time do we have left? I don't know, but uh, whatever it is, we'll try to edit it and try to get the most pertinent parts for the audience. I think there's a lot of important issues. I want to go to the narrative for a second before we finish the show and um, and, and just talk about how the narrative is is kind of arranged again by the Jewish media giants and these important programs. And it's just like a constant assault on our fundamental understanding and our emotional reaction to events. I'll give you an example. So this morning I watched a tape of a show called good morning Britain, which is the biggest talk show in great Britain in the morning. 
and and people over the over the months over the years they develop kind of relationship with guests they not only talk about you know politics and the latest of politics but also talk about health and food and uh you know different aspects of you know of life uh you know they talk about people who are crippled who overcame their um their uh, inadequacies in certain areas of their challenges in certain areas they talk about human uh, issues and human stories of human courage uh, a guy saves a child and and these people have a very nice persona to their audience well this i saw this uh, good morning britain program this morning and so this is the way they were characterizing the 300,000 march and by the way the marchers who were there and some of the i think films bear it out that it really wasn't 300,000 it might have been closer to 800,000 people um and they had a guest on that was talking about that and the narrative of of the show uh, was demonizing uh, these 800,000 people or whatever, 500,000 people or 300,000 people who were marching against the slaughter. And that's what it is, the slaughter, the genocide, really, because I also watched another fine professor out of a university in California who was Jewish, by the way, who was making the point by on every legal definition of the term that what's happening to the Palestinian people in Gaza is a genocide. Anyway, so um, so the, they're, they're talking and you know what they do to discredit the march of 300,000 people to stop the slaughter of Palestinian children, of which there's been at least 7,000 that have died so far, if not more, and many buried under the rubble and still suffering, maybe still alive, breathing their last breaths. Um, and, and by the way, there's other disquieting stories, which one of their guests was trying to bring up just to show he, he came back with his own emotional response talking about how the fact that, that stray dogs sometimes were, you know, because they couldn't get to these these victims, the stray dogs, you know, there was evidence and people had documented the fact that stray dogs were often eating the body parts of these children and others that were in the ruins of these buildings that the Israelis discovered. The, the massive slaughter is just amazing. But anyway, so the way that the Good Morning Britain program dealt with it was not really going through all the issues. No, they, they quoted some crazy woman who was absolutely deranged uh, at, you know, at, at the march. She went to the march and all that. And she said, we need to kill all the Jews. And that was a big part of the discussion, how all these people that were marching to stop the slaughter of children were all genociders who went to kill Jews, which, are, which were nothing more than like uh, Nazis. And that's the kind of narrative. Now, they, they didn't quote a single quote on this program from Jewish ministers like the former head of Israel National Security, who actually got up and said, we want there to be a humanitarian crisis. We want diseases to spread among the Palestinians. We want them. That's going to save Israeli soldiers' lives when, when they have a lot of diseases for, for Palestinians and Palestinian children. The Palestinians are going to die. Literally supporting the idea and wanting to have diseases uh, in, in Gaza where, where they don't have potable water. They're given they, – they, 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 the United Nations uh, you know, studies so that they're getting an average, and some people get less than that, of uh, one liter or two liters of potable water a day. And – and for people to live a decent, healthy, clean life, the average should be about 100 liters. Um, and, and these people are facing diseases and, and, and other issues before. But they didn't mention that. They didn't mention uh, Netanyahu's statement that the Palestinians are Amalites, Amalekites. And therefore, according to the biblical thing that he was quoting and being inspired by, he was supporting genocide, open genocide, saying that he quoted Samuel and he quoted the Jewish uh, genocide of the Amalekite people, and so these were what the Palestinians were. Just open calls to genocide, or the Jewish minister Herzog, 
who said that these were just human animals and that, 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 that uh, Gaza needed to be wiped out. Instead, they quote one woman. And then the other thing they did in the show, which was appalling, and it just wasn't corrected or wasn't dealt with, they're making a big narrative of just twisting around the Palestinian slogan. So one of the Palestinian slogans, one of the slogans of people that object to this mass slaughter genocide, actually, in Palestine against children and innocent people, because the victims are not Hamas people, overwhelmingly. And by the way, again, the Hamas victims, as we talked about earlier, in their, even in their raid, which they say is the most terrible raid of terrorism, was the behalf of the people that died were Israeli military, related to Israeli military and other functions, the same military that's been killing Palestinians wholesalely, whereas the major victims, half, almost half the children are children. And I also have, we also have quotations by Israeli top ministers equating the, the people that died in Gaza to Nazis. And these are children. And, and one of them even justified this by saying, we didn't, you know, we, 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 we liked killing those Nazi kids and everything in Germany. Uh, burning them to death, that's okay, right? But for some reason, we we, we can't kill those Nazis in, in Palestine. They're openly pre- presenting uh, genocide. But one of the slogans the Palestinians have, hope we still have connection, um, was that, quote, one of the slogans they have is from the river to the sea, and maybe that's the Jordan River, maybe that's, you know, I don't know, the West Bank, you know, the, you know the, from the river to the sea, we will be free. And Jews have taken that narrative, and I've seen it in report after, if you do a Google search of this, that's considered an anti-Semitic quote and a, and a call for the genocide of the Jewish people from the river to the sea will well be free. No, it's a quote that says that this, this racist, supremacist uh, government of the Jews that are killing people and created by t- terrorism and suppressing the Palestinians and uh, killing thousands of children now, that the government needs to be dissolved. This is the same principle of people when they were opposed to the Soviet government of Russia. And they weren't talking about wiping out all the people of Russia. That kind of the Jews are right now, by the way. It actually, in, in in regard to Ukraine, how all the Russians are war criminals. But but you know, it was it was it wasn't about wiping out the Russian people. It was about changing the government. And to say the you know to say from the river to the sea in that area of the world, that area what constitutes Israel and, and occupied territories, that. The, the argument was that these people have to be free. They have to have the right to determine their own government. They have to have the right to have oppression. They have to have self-determination. They have to have all these basic human rights. And they don't need to be killed wholesalely. And children don't need to be slaughtered. And yet the media was equating this term with genocide of all Jews. And they also say often that the, the uh, Hamas has officially called for the murder of all Jews, in fact, in the world. And that's just totally untrue. What are your thoughts about that? And that part of the narrative that's not corrected in the international so, Jewish media. Right. So, first of all, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. This is this has been said at at anti-war demonstrations for decades. I remember at a large anti-war demonstration against the Iraq War twenty years ago. I, I went to it, and um, you know most of the most of the chants were against George Bush and this and that. But I remember. It was actually a black American woman, you know, not on my my block. It was a large demonstration, but she started chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And a lot of people joined in. But the thing is, think about it. The call for freedom, how can a call for freedom be equated with uh, a genocide of the Jews and the Holocaust? Right. How can it? Well, it can be if you are paranoid, if if you think that free people are going to kill you, then 
then you could call that a call for genocide. But that that is more of an indictment on the people who are alarmed. It's more of an indictment on the Jews who are complaining about yeah, it. Yeah, that maybe that maybe the some of these people have a, have a legitimate grievance, right? Well, yeah. And the corollary to that, the corollary to saying that uh, a call for freedom is a call for genocide, means that the only people who would say that are the people who would therefore have to support repression, the opposite of freedom. You have to repress these people because their freedom means our genocide. Well, that's, this is, this is the so that's a call of. for genocide itself. And, it was a, and, and, and that's what they're doing here. They're saying, we got to kill all these thousands and thousands of Palestinian children and, and make life miserable for 2.4 million people who aren't really guilty of any of the crimes that was committed, the crimes that they say, again, the special crimes of Hamas, which were in, in no way as, as great and as horrific as the crimes of Israel against the Palestinians for the last 75 years. And and even in the last 20 years, since 2002, uh, we've had thousands more Palestinians killed, even before this conflict, before the bombing of Gaza, uh, than by Israel, than anything that, that the Palestinians did against Israel. And, and also what they're trying to tell us, they're ta- constantly telling us that the, the Hamas people and the Palestinians are, are calling for the murder of all Jews in the world. And they're trying to say to us that, uh, in fact, Dave Rubin, you know, the Jewish homosexual who's who's had some pushback in the right because they're he they're homosexual cu- uh, couples adopting children and there's some a number of people that think that people who are homosexuals should not be adopting child children of either sex because they're not going to grow up in a normal environment and they may grow up in a bias uh, uh a biased environment instead of a healthy heterosexual normal kind of environment used to view heterosexuality was normal but this guy this guy has is saying is basically saying that that Hamas is a threat to the whole world. I was talking to some friends in uh, New Jersey last night, and uh, and one of the people who, who I love both of them very dearly, I've been known both of them, and uh, both the husband and the wife, and uh, and I respect the wife a lot. I don't, wanna, I'm not going to name them obviously, but um, so the wife was a kind of a victim of this uh, propaganda, and she says, I don't want to live with a Bob, and uh, you know, and 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 like. I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to be ruled by these uh, Arab extremists. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to point out to her, and I did point out to her, that, um, you know, it's, it wasn't the Arabs that changed the rules that opened the gates of immigration that's caused this demographic crisis in Europe and this influence over our society. It's actually been the, the Jewish effort, the Jewish control of our Hollywood, the Jewish control of our media, the Jewish control of our politics that has opened the doors and led us to this existential uh, threat in, in Europe. Your thoughts, sir? Well, it is, and uh, a lot of people have been confused. I, I want to get back to um, the, the idea of how many people have been killed in, in Gaza. That's a good one. Um, I like that. We should do over, it. Over the, over the decades. Uh, so I, I want to remind people that this six million figure... Did you know the IRS publicly admits that income tax is collected by voluntary compliance? Get the information you need to help you avoid income tax with these five easy steps. All you have to do is go to avoidincometax.com to get your five easy steps on how to avoid the IRS income tax. Escape the IRS. Let avoidincometax.com help you. We guarantee our five easy steps or your money back. Go to avoidincometax.com. 
Ascension freedom-loving patriots, are you ready to dive deep into the principles that founded our great nation? Join me, Peter Seraphine, and the Institute on the Constitution as we light the way to a brighter future with the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. At liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom, you'll find a treasure trove of online courses on the U.S. Constitution, carefully crafted to empower you with knowledge to defend your rights and liberty, whether you're a student, a history enthusiast, or just a concerned citizen. These courses are for you. Gain a comprehensive understanding of our Constitution's principles, the wisdom of our founding fathers, and how to apply them in today's world. As a special offer to our freedom-loving listeners of Republic Broadcasting Network, use coupon code RBN at checkout and get 20% discount on any course. Join the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom and be a part of the movement to uphold the values that have made our nation exceptional. Unleash the power of knowledge and protect what truly matters, our Constitution. Visit liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom today. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Use code RBN for 20% off. Together, we'll be the beacon of freedom our founding generation envisioned. Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. Illuminating minds, empowering patriots. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. Drinksupertea.com. How many people have been killed in in Gaza? That's a good one. Um, I like that. We should do over, it over the over the decades. Uh, so I, I want to remind people that this six million figure. Okay, I mean the six the six million for the Holocaust figure has been written about since decades before the. Uh, it's like the, a religious actually, precept now. It's like you can't question it without yeah. being called a heretic. You can't question and, it even. The and numbers. I have I have a friend who's who has sent me numerous New York Times articles uh, dating from. Uh, the early part of the century, long before the, even before the First World War, that was always talking about six million Jews, six million Jews. Yeah, back in the nineteen twenties and thirties. That's right. Yeah. Oh, or even like um, the wake of the Russo-Japanese War, and like you know, I'm going back that far, talking about six million Jews. But at any rate, um, the academic, the uh, I guess the um, what do they call him? The the most prestigious Holocaust scholar was Raoul. Hildeberg, right? This guy, Raoul Hildeberg, and he did a study 
Uh, and he he concluded that 5.1 million Jews, 5.1, which it gets rounded up to six, whatever, but 5.1 million Jews died in, uh, or 5.1 million Jews died in uh, Europe um, between the years 1933 and 1945 in excess of what would have been ex- expected had you know, pre-war demographic trends continued. That was that was his study. Was the, the, his six point one, uh, five point one uh, million figure came from looking at um, population data, census data. There were this many uh, uh, Jews. The, the population was this big. The birth rate was such and such. The death rate was such and such. The life expectancy was such and such. And you would expect um, at in nineteen forty five for there to be maybe. Um, 15.1 million Jews, but actually there are only 10 million Jews, and that's where that that's where he gets that figure from. Okay, well that's that's a methodology. It's not necessarily the most ex- exact uh, or uncontroversial methodology, but it is a methodology. We'll apply that to uh, to Palestine. How many Palestinians um, over the course of the past 16 years of the blockade, or the past um, 56 years of the occupation, uh, how many of them have died as a result of um, not being able to get medicine as a result of uh, unsanitary conditions that are enforced on them, uh, you know, through the blockade, through uh, inability to get chemicals to treat the water and things like that. I mean, there have been huge number of people who have died as a um, as a result of prevent of easily and norm and in a uh, regular industrial society normally prevented diseases. How many kids have died from? Uh, diarrhea, because remember the half a million kids that uh, that um, Madeleine Albright said half a million Iraqi kids who died, uh, but it was worth it. As as far as Madeleine Madeleine Albright was concerned, they mostly died from diarrhea. And so, well, they were not, talking about how the the, the the diseases of ty, uh, typhoid uh, yeah. and uh, diseases of uh, cholera are right, vastly right. increasing with the with the, with the bad water there. And but here you have a Jewish uh, former head of security that says we want those diseases to increase among the children. Of yeah, just let me wrap up. Just sure. let me wrap up this statement. So, sure. I mean, the, over the past, so over the past um, sixteen years or tw- uh, twenty-three years since the, since the start of the century, maybe only um, so many thousands of Gazans have died as a result of Israeli bombing. Okay, you might be able to put that figure on it, but I would I would contend that the vast majority of people who have died. As, uh, have not died from bombings, uh, explosions. They have died from uh, preventable diseases and other maladies. It probably, and you're probably talking in very large figures. If if you were to apply the same standards that Raoul Hildeberg applied to the Gazans or to the Palestinians in general, you are going to get far uh, a far greater death toll over the past you know years and decades. Yeah, there you go. Let me give you. Uh an, an example, we talked about the numbers today. Let me give you something which is pretty amazing. And this is a United Nations source. This is not a Palestinian source at all. Uh, and and this, is, uh, this is also directly out of the, the Palestinian time, uh, timeline uh, and the Israeli timeline. And uh, it shows you the deaths per, per year of, in the 20th century, since 2000. So Israel and Palestinians killed in the current violence, right? So... This says, and they also list a number of Jews that died. Now, this is since 2000. And uh, this 
is including uh, the, the very latest thing when this is where the chart goes out of the, out of the realm of everything. But and it says at least twenty four thousand six hundred and five Palestinians have been killed by you know by Israelis since the year two thousand twenty four thousand six hundred, uh, and of those you know at, at least ten thousand maybe eleven thousand were killed before the raid, which killed allegedly twelve hundred um, Israelis. And by the way, and half of those victims were were uh, Israeli soldiers or military and so forth, and and the the persons of the state. And many of the other ones were killed by friendly fire. But it's really interesting when you look at these numbers. So this is one reason why people keep saying you can't just start from October seven. These are the last few decades, and the Palestinians have had no way to really respond to this effectively. Uh, and, and, until they actually did this raid, and it was a, it was actually a military raid, and even people like Scott Ritter, the weapons inspector, has admitted this. So that that is those figures are are incredibly, I, I think, they're incredibly damning of who who are the real quote terrorists, who are the real mass murderers of children. the truth you're listening to republic broadcasting network real news real talk real people because you can handle the truth what would you say if i told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company and it would pay for itself in just six weeks when pigs fly the new ease off model easy 4 replaces old spring style carcass droppers and is faster safer and more reliable the ease off lowers or lifts 1000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control sounds expensive can i afford it can you afford not to try the ease off it installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com, and hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Junkay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. 
I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilaji as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilaji by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shiloji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiloji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Extension 3. Those figures are, are incredibly, I, I think, they're incredibly damning of who, who are the real, quote, terrorists, who are the real mass murderers of children. There were 30 babies, uh, uh, not 30 babies, the, the Jews were saying the 30 babies were beheaded. That was a big, terrible, evil lie. And that lie, this is usually the way it is when you have genocides, they make up lies about the other side to justify a genocide of people. And this was meant, and, and all through Jewish media, and there's been a, was a great uh, video I saw which showed the Jewish media in Israel just literally saying, I mean, program after program after program saying we must flatten Gaza. We must kill all the Gazans. We must eliminate them. We must cleanse them. We must get them off the land, we, you know, whatever, which are calls for genocide, according to the United Nations, and were, were, were um, prosecuted in the Rwandan cases in, in The Hague. And so when, are, when is Israel going to be prosecuted for that? So, so the narrative is such a lie on so many levels, but I would say 95% of people aren't aware of any of these figures. They're not even aware of the fact that, that whereas Hamas was killing overwhelmingly military objectives and grabbing some hostages to get their own hostages free that Israel's been holding for years, um, people don't even know that while the Israeli massacre of Gaza is a massacre against civilians and children. Hmm. Well, I mean, it is. It, and it's everybody's pointing out that uh, that because the population of Gaza is extremely young, because honestly, there's nothing nothing to do in Gaza other than make babies. I mean, there's no work. There's nothing to do. Uh, and so you have a very... Half the population is under 18. Yeah, almost half. Like, I guess it's 40% is under the age of 18. Maybe, I don't know what the Maybe more, average yeah. age in Gaza is, but it's, it's, it's very young. Um, and then... Uh, there's nothing to do but make babies. So whenever you have indiscriminate bombing, and and it is indiscriminate bombing, and whenever you're collapsing large buildings like uh, apartment flats or hospitals, which they're doing, uh, you you would expect that you're going to have if is, the bombing is random, you're going to have a random sample of 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 deaths. And in Gaza, that means forty percent children and another thirty percent adult women. Well, we, we're almost out of time here for this program, uh, Doctor. We've talked about a lot of really interesting things, the narrative. And, uh, and again, the most important factor of all these things, and the reason why Israel's gotten away with this, that we're in this position right now today, is because of Jewish supremacism in, in the media. It's not just Jewish supremacism on the ground over the Palestinians and the crimes that committed, the, the physical crimes we can prove of genocide, ethnic cleansing, mass murder, even atrocities that were publicized. But I want to close... Uh, with 
they're, they're very racist, and it really is true because Jews love to point uh, out that their enemies are racist. They, they say that white, quote, anti-Semites, and that's another one of those pejorative terms, the worst term you can say about somebody. You're kind of saying that that's equivalent to being murderers, mass murderers of children and the whole people. If you call somebody an anti-Semite, it's about the worst thing you could say in terms of how you're going to treat somebody. And again, that justifies certain genocides maybe against other people. And they constantly tell us how white people are, are quote, quote, anti-Semites, and, and other people are anti-Semites. They say the Palestinians are. And they say that Hamas wants to kill all people, you know, all Jews in the world. And there's no evidence of that. And there is evidence of massive uh, ethnic uh, hatreds against, um, you know, the, the Palestinian people. And calls for murder, including from the very heads of state there. But I do want to quote, and I've quoted this before, and I quote this again because most people have not read this. This is from the Times of Israel, one of the biggest papers in Israel. Uh, it was written by Michael Leitman, and the name of the article is Remembering the Holocaust, What is New About Old Anti-Semitism? And it's written by the founder and president of B'nai Baruch Kabbalah Education and Research Institute, some major Jewish organization, and this is one of the ten largest uh, media uh, operations, uh, pro-Zionist media operations in the world. And it talks about how that that anti-Semitism is rising, and how the peoples of the world ninety-eight percent, ninety-eight point six percent of ninety-eight point excuse me ninety-nine point eight percent of the population are all non-Jews, but it says in this article that. All non-Jews, effectively, uh, want to, the, the non-Jews want to kill Jews generally. You know, it's, it's like saying Jews want to kill Gentiles or Christians. But it says it because non-Jews fundamentally want to kill Jews. It goes on to say, let me give you an exact quote. Uh, the peoples of the world cannot escape anti-Semitism. It's in their genes and in their blood. It's a law of nature. Jews can ask nothing of them. In other words, we can't stop that. Uh, stop the killing of Jews until the Jews themselves bring correction to the world, meaning controlling the world. They hate Israel until Israel corrects them. And then it goes on to say, uh, literally, it says uh, the, the only way this is going to stop. And then they quote something from the, you know, some, something from the Jewish Talmud, which basically says the answer depends on the Jews. And it says until the realization of the words and the people the people of Israel shall take them and bring them to their place, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord. So they're basically saying that unless the Jews control the world, unless they control the media of the world, unless they control and stop this anti-Semitism, that the Jews are going to be all murdered by Gentiles. Now, this is never going to be quoted in major media, yet this is a major website of a major Jewish organization, the Times of Israel, and this reflects... Jewish values again and again. It's not just it's not some isolated argument here. This this is a major publication and a major article saying that all the non-Jews of the world are nothing but Nazis. In fact, that's basically what the article argues. They're nothing but Nazis who all want to kill Jews, and their hatred of Jews is in their genes and in their blood. Would you call that, and I would call that, uh, you know, similar to what the Jews call a blood libel when they talk about certain Jewish crimes against uh, Goyim and Christians. I mean, I mean, is there something, is there anything that's more possibly racist than that kind of a comment? And yet that's never brought up in, in terms of this conflict that we have between Jews and Gentiles or the conflicts we have between Jews and their enemies. Who are the real racists here? Who are the real supremacists? What's your reaction to those words? Well, this, this is 
fundamental, and this is one of the main points that I try to keep emphasizing, that there is a, a Jewish paranoia. It's a paranoia that is uh, reinforced, maybe maybe rooted in, reinforced, and amplified by uh, their own narratives of their history, by their culture, by their religion, and it may it may possibly uh, conceivably be re- uh, reflected also in their genetics. But there is a, a, a deep rooted Jewish paranoia, and it it leads them to very um, ruthless behavior. The idea. We were talking about this earlier in this this show. The idea that if they um, if they're not in control, then they are uh, facing extinction. That that it make it turns everything into some sort of existential threat. So the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Well, freedom for the Palestine Palestinians means genocide for the Israelis. That's that or for That's the Jews. Thinking, which right. is bizarre, because I mean. Honestly, you, you look at, at history, you look at current events, and um, every now and then Jews push too far because of this, and there's a backlash. But the default, the default attitude and the default position of uh, Europeans and whites and Christians seems to be um, acceptance at some level. It's certainly not, it's certainly not um, genocide. That's not the default. The default is acceptance. You look at, at our society today, our American society— and it's the most um, philo-Semitic society that you could really imagine. And yet they, they, they have this paranoia and they, they feel if they don't sh- completely shut down any criticism of them, any critique of them, any open discussion of their power, that that's an existential threat to them. Well, well yeah, and, and, but this article is, talk about a canary in the mind. I mean, th- this article by, by Leitman and one of the leading publications, or Jewish publications and Zionist publications in the world, it is so shocking because it is the height of racial thinking, our, uh, you know, our hatred against people. Because the article, again, it's called Remembering the Holocaust, what's new about the old anti-Semitism. And it's basically saying that the new anti-Semitism is the same as the old anti-Semitism, which is like the Nazis. And that these people are Nazis. They talk about record anti-Semitism. And then it goes on to say that the entire non-Jewish population of the world, which is 99.8%, we should emphasize that again, right, are basically nothing but they're, they're Nazis. And they, uh, they're, I'll give an example. Here's another quote from it. There are some quiet uh, years, but today Jew hatred is reaching new levels all over the world. Let's see before the, uh, the Gaza mass murder and genocide being committed by the Jewish state of Israel. Anti-Semites are eager to find what they see as the final solution. And then they suggest that all Jews are anti-Semitic. Again, I quote this last line for the, uh, for the audience to, uh, to think about and understand the hypocrisy and the realities that the real racists here and the real people speaking racial hatred is the Jewish establishment because the Jewish establishment backs up people like this. This guy's not going to be banned from Twitter. Uh, he's not going to be condemned. He's not going to be condemned by the by the rulers of our nations as examples of Jewish racism and Jewish supremacism. The peoples of the world cannot escape anti-Semitism. It's in their genes and in their blood. It's a law of nature. Jews can ask nothing of them until Jews themselves bring correction to the world, until Jews themselves you know, control them, basically rule over them. They hate Israel until Israel corrects them, and then, it, and then basically it gives these Old Testament and Talmudic Isaiah, it says, until Israel possesses them in the land of the world. So, so uh, th- this will happen until the people of Israel bring them to their place, and the house of Israel possesses them 
in the land of the world of the Lord. Well, I don't think the Jews should possess 99.8% of the population of the world. I don't think they should control the world. I don't think they should control the narrative of the media. I don't think they should be able to commit these terrible crimes against the Palestinians. I don't believe they, they should be able to voice their unending hatred for Europeans and Christians that they do do in their, uh, in their media and their support of programs that I think are genocidal, not just against the people of Palestine, but are genocidal against the very basis of the European people themselves, a beautiful people that have created so much art, literature, music, and architecture. I agree that uh, Europeans have committed crimes around the world. I agree also that we have a different attitude toward that. Indian tribes have always invaded other tribes and other peoples. Asians have invaded Europe. Uh, Muslims have invaded Europe, and, and Europe's invaded uh, Muslim countries in the Crusades. So definitely people committed crimes against each other. But it's really important to, to point out that there's no unique evil or whatever about the European people. But that's been what's been presented. And that includes their anti-Semitism uh, and their whole thing about the Holocaust every day of our lives. Because they, they don't just blame Germany. They blame Europeans and they blame Christianity for the anti-Semitism that created what they call as the Holocaust. That is an ultimate blood libel against our people and against the heritage of the world. But they also claim it's not just the Europeans, but they claim the Palestinians the Africans, the Asians, and the people of the world have this basic anti-Semitic aspect of their genetics. And I think anything that would be said that light against Jews would be considered the worst of anti-Semitism, even though there may be genetic factors to our reaction to different peoples. There certainly may be. But the point is that by every standard of justice and, and cognition, the, it does, the hypocrisy of the Jewish role of the media, whether it be in the slaughter of the Palestinian people are the wars that they promoted like against Iraq, uh, like the wars they promoted against Ukraine and against Russia, because that's really, and against Europe, such as the Ukrainian war. They're all related together to Jewish power. And if we don't confront these things, folks, we're never going to have a, a far more peaceful and loving world. I oppose Jewish supremacism and the Jewish tyranny because I love freedom and I love the peoples of the world and I want people around the world to be free and not exploit or harm each other and not go to war against each other. And I appreciate you and so much, Dr. Slattery, and the work that you do. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Dr. Duke. Any other last words before we go? Well, seeing as, as our, our recording session has gone way beyond one program, and it's probably... Well, we, may, we may have some selections that you can use and I can use on other shows. There's way going to be a lot left over. I'm going to just finish up with this one thing. I mentioned the uh, Resolution 242 that the the English version of the clause that I was talking about is as follows. Withdrawal of Israeli armed forces from territories occupied in the recent conflict. The French... That's really is, clear, isn't it? That is so clear. Well, no, it's not clear because it doesn't have the word the in it, right? So, like, there's so wiggle room the for the Jews. Conflict, the Jews. The Jews. Um, but the French, there's no wiggle room. Retrait des forces armées israéliennes the territoires occupés lors de récents conflits. The, the, there, it is retreat of the forces, the armed forces Israeli. The, it is retreat of the Israeli armed forces from the territories occupied. It, it, has, it has the definite article in the French. The definite article in the English is missing, but it's been, it's been pointed out that if you have a sign that says, for instance, dogs must be kept on a lead near the ponds in the park. The dogs must be on a leash. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't mean some dogs. Yes. 
that means all the dogs. And so anyway, uh, that's the kind of hair splitting that they get into. It's, it's very that's Talmudic. That's Talmudic. That is Talmudic. So Talmudic. But anyway, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say another word. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add one thing to it because uh, just, to, just to put it on top of what you just said and uh, to try to draw, you know, my reaction to that, which is, I, I think, uh, you know, appropriate. Okay. So there's been, it's not only resolution 242, and uh, the really resolutions that Jews have involved, even the whole partitioning, uh, they gave them the right to partition 56% of land, even though they were 40% of the population right from the beginning. That wasn't fair to the Palestinians, who are the indigenous people, by the way. And then, and then when they actually took over, uh, the United Nations or you know, let them literally take over 80% of the land, not, not, the, not even the 60%, which was disproportionate, that they were allotted to by the original United Nations partition. And then, but it wasn't just those resolutions that they violated. They violated over 200 different resolutions, violated them. Uh, the United States signed on to many of these resolutions saying that Israel must stop the settlements. That they remove their settlements from the occupied territories, Dif- different settlements dealing with different areas. Uh, the United States and the Security Council and other resolutions in the United Nations demanded that Israel vacate the Golan Heights, which were not their territory and which were not populated by Jews at all. There's no allegation of that. But it was, and it was ethnically cleansing many of the, the people, the Syrians that live there. And so there's been many, 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 many resolutions that Israel has violated with impunity. And, of course, the most important thing we talk about in this show, and I've got to close with this because I think it's maybe the most important thing. Israel gets away with violating the most important treaties or the most important weapons conventions that the world has come up with to stop the spread of biological, chemical, and nuclear or uh, weapons. And that's the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, which they violate, and they don't follow. That's the Chemical Weapons Protocol and and uh, policy, and it's the Biological Weapons uh, Protocol. And biological weapons are really fierce because you can target them genetically, and we know that Jews have their genetic enemies, such as the Palestinians and Amalek or whatever. And we know that they can actually target viruses to do that. So Israel violates all these. They don't join these conventions. But unlike uh, North Korea that doesn't follow some of these conventions. They're not made a prize state. There's no sanction. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. Standing six foot four, weighing 245 pounds of crime-fighting, political science-analyzing brawn. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So Mike, get off this anti-cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Call it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. F*** you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be a bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show. Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at RepublicBroadcasting.org and visit HempPaste.com slash RBN. So Israel violates all these. They don't join these conventions. But unlike um, North Korea, that doesn't follow some of these conventions, they're not made a prize state. There's no sanctions against them. And they're creating these nuclear weapons. They're creating these biological weapons and chemical weapons. And they have complete immunity from any sort of actions against it. And there's no sanctions against it. And then they go ahead and go ahead and kill tens of thousands and injure and damage and destroy life for 2.4 million people in the Gaza Strip. And yet, Israel's not called out for what it is, a criminal state. And the Jews who support this criminal state, and powerful Jews all over the world do it, and certainly there are some Jews that oppose uh, Zionism and oppose the racism even of uh, Judaism, because Judaism is a racial supremacist religion. I hate to tell you that, folks, if you don't realize it yet, that supports even genocides and their sacred scripts. And promotes those ideas that this this Jewish supremacism really does exist, and the Jews that support these these this radical Jewish state in Israel, this radical Judaic state, and also done by secular Jews that don't even believe in God, but do believe in Jewish superiority and supremacy and Jewish domination of the world, because they support it and they support the Jewish state of Israel and the Jewish diaspora. Without the Jewish diaspora and their supremacy over the media of much of the world and the diplomacy of much of the world, Jewish people that are uh, of Jewish descent, Jewish heritage, and Jewish Zionist values who become our officials and our members of government and our members of media, without that support, Israel couldn't get away with these crimes. So we must understand that you cannot oppose the crimes of Israel effectively 
And you can't stop these crimes of Israel until you also remove their supremacy over the minds of the world through their media and with their enormous economic and banking power that has been the source of so much money that controls so many of the NGOs and so many of the political campaigns. And they're even influencing political campaigns with even their control of social media like like uh, Google and, and Facebook and the rest of it and the control of the world's encyclopedia called, called uh, Wikipedia. Uh, which is run by an open, self-identified Jew who is a complete supporter of Israel. And we know that that propaganda seeps into the minds of all people who use the world's encyclopedia. These are realities that we face up to in this show, but most people don't. Thank you, Doctor, for being with me, and we're going to be back with you again uh, tomorrow or the next day. You may hear this show in two parts, but uh, it's been a very important and a very good show. Thank you so much. Dr. Slattery is always such a great asset to truth. Thank you, folks. Bye-bye. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that. I, th- I think it was special. Um, again, that you listened to a two-part episode. That was part two. You can find part one by going into my archives. A good way to go to my archives, by the way, is go to nationalbugle.com. Look at the top where it says podcasts and uh, click on that podcast button. And um, you will find a link to my archives where it's, it's got all of my shows. It also has the um, part ones of Jeremy, Patrick and Jeremy shows, which are from, uh, from Jeremy's uh, In Plain Sight show. And sometimes if I'm on Paul Stevenson's show, I'll, be, I'll show up there too. So you'll, you'll see all the archives of my shows. So just scroll down and, and find part one of uh, Patrick Talks to... Dr. Duke about these Jews and their hijinks and shenanigans. And that's how you'll find part one. Okay. Well, that's it. I will be back again tomorrow or next time with another exciting episode of National Legal Radio. Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.